right, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Steven of the band Wolves at the Gate over Zoom video. Steve was born and raised in New Jersey, and we talk about how he got into music. First instrument he learned how to play was the saxophone. He played that for a while and then saw a show with the Blood Brothers and Against Me watched the guitar player and was like wow like this is awesome but this is also something i feel like i could do so he saved up his money bought himself a guitar at 16 tried to start bands in jersey ended up moving to ohio just outside dayton ohio to go to college to play soccer and there is where he started wolves at the gate we talk about how the band formed getting signed to solid state records the milestones of pretty much all their albums, the reason behind doing the acoustic versions of certain records, all the way up till this most recent record, which is called Eulogies. And we hear the story behind the entire album, how they were able to record it over quarantine, and everything the future holds for Wolves at the Gate. You can watch our interview with Steven on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music, it would be amazing if you follow us there and hook us up with a five star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Wolves at the Gate. Hey, what's okay. up, Steven? How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You as well. <laughs> Cool. I'm, I'm Adam, by the way, and this is about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about the new record as well. Cool. Sweet. Um, so I, you're from Ohio, I, I believe. That's what I read. Yeah, the band's from, yeah, the band got started outside of Dayton. I'm actually from New Jersey. Oh, uh, okay. I just, yeah, I went to college out there, and uh, once we started touring, I moved back to New Jersey to be close to my family. Right on. Um, Real quick, what, what college did you go to? I'm just curious. Uh, it's called Cedarville University. It's a okay. tiny, tiny private school. Yeah. Okay. My parents lived in, it was funny. My mom was pregnant with me, like nine months pregnant. And my dad's job got transferred from Dayton, Ohio to San Diego, California. So they moved. The and I, and I military? Was, no, he worked for a company called NCR. It was like a oh, okay. software company. Yeah, and they moved him to San Diego, and then I was born like weeks later after they had got to San Diego. Hey, that's a good move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently, the st- I mean, I'm going off on a rant here, but like the story goes, like my dad had no idea where San Diego was, and he like just looked on the map, and he, and it was like was so far away from Ohio, and it was like on the coast, and he's like, yeah, I'll move there. <laughs> uh but anyway we're still big indians fans and and all that so he's oh, okay. in cleveland but anyway sorry so you were born in in uh new jersey talk to me about yeah. that yeah yeah i mean i spent vast majority of my life there it wasn't until college you know that i went out to ohio um mm-hmm. i lived not far outside of new york city uh, i was pretty close to the george washington bridge and the jersey side so mm-hmm. You know, pretty much just city setting was cool. I love it. I know a lot of people rag on New Jersey, but not all of New Jersey is Newark Airport. That's what most people think New Jersey's like. <laughs> sure. And, and the music scene is huge there in Jersey. There's a lot of bands that came out of Jersey. Yeah, so many. And so many different genres, too. So, 
uh yeah like yeah and especially kind of growing up in like punk underground music mm-hmm. at the time that i was really getting into music that was really growing too you know bands like uh thursday my chemical romance um taking back Saves sunday taking back yeah, yeah all Saves those bands like that whole like yeah. that holy emo scene at least yeah. in the early 2000s were all out of jersey yeah and so for me it was like so exciting because it's like whoa bands guys from where i grew up are doing it you know mm-hmm. um and and so i remember always hearing about them when it was like you know flyers you know locally oh, right sure <laughs> billboards in new york so um it was pretty cool i remember you know hearing about taking back sunday when they were local in the, in the scene and my brother ended up working for warner brother records for a short amount of time okay and they were signed to reprise which was uh uh yeah you know, so, yeah. yeah and i got to see them like backstage and like my mind was blown you know because i was like from yeah small town to seeing that was pretty pretty cool that's amazing. That's so cool. That's like the the scene that I grew up liking and loving. I don't know how one of my buddies was like an early adopter to somehow finding music on the internet. And he <laughs> stumbled upon that first Taking Back Sunday record and they were touring it and they came through San Diego. I remember seeing them and like just being like, whoa, like this is such yeah. a different... Because at the time, like I, we weren't really hearing about what was happening too much across the whole country. Yeah. I mean, bands like Saves the Day were getting bigger because they had like radio, a couple, I think he had the, the, in the funeral or whatever was out mm-hmm. or one of the bigger songs, but like some of those smaller at the time bands like coming through out of Jersey, I was like, whoa, like Lifetime was another one I remember hearing about. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, it's, it's so, so weird. Good. How old are you? I'm 37. 37. So I'm 35. We're like pretty close in age. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> Well, what's crazy though is just how different, like find like the experience of finding music was for us as teenagers to the way it is today. Like, it was so easy to like not know what guys and bands look like, mm-hmm. or you know, or even like what's going on across the country. That seems so archaic, but it's not right. that long ago. You know, it really wasn't. I mean, yeah. finding bands like I I remember again finding bands off of going to see a band and seeing what sticker they had on their guitar or whatever it'd be like oh oh look i wonder who that band is if if he likes that band then they must be cool so let me i should go check them out or figure out who they are or whatever yeah. it was just such a different process now than just like clicking a few clicks on spotify and it'll be like oh recommended artist oh okay. yeah <laughs> that, that was the recommended artist was <laughs> right. the on the guitar case word of yeah. mouth recommended artist yeah exactly it's crazy yeah. how that all changed um, yeah. So that's rad. So you were able to see a lot of those bands, I'm sure, perform at their very baby stages. Yeah, when they were when they were coming up, you know, I I only got to see them when they started playing like traditional venues, not like VFW halls, and not that early, early because I, I wasn't old enough to to drive there myself. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely knew what was going on and found their music however I could, you know, which was cool is there were local record stores, which are another thing that don't exist anymore. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. How did you uh, eventually, or how did you get into music as a kid? Um, yeah, like pretty musical family, you know, so it was always kind of going on. I played alto saxophone in elementary school and middle school, which nice. uh, was not formative at all, but, um, 
I think, I think it was just going to a show and seeing a guy play guitar and just loving how that sounded. Um, mm-hmm. And so as soon as I saw it in, you know, bands like Green Day, you know, uh, where like, I, I knew I'm like, okay, I know that that's not easy, but I know it's not hard. I think I could do that. And so I just saved up my money, bought a guitar and just taught myself to play Green Day songs, then quickly jumped to Metallica because that's the progression. You know, you go, <laughs> you go. Power like, oh, chords to like actual riffs. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely, I was definitely running before I could walk. That was for sure. Okay. Uh, so it was, it was a little awkward, but you know, I'd grown up listening to Metallica and Nirvana. And so those were the bands that I wanted to play their songs. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was kind of how I got into music was this idea of like, yeah, I'm, I couldn't believe that I could make the same or similar sounds to what my favorite bands were doing. Sure. And then from there, that's where I was like, I wonder if I could do this myself. You know, I want to make I want to make my own stamp, per se. So. Mm-hmm. When you got the guitar, how old were you when you saved up for it? Um, I was probably 16 years old. Okay. Yeah. So you had been playing saxophone for a while. Did you continue that in high school? Like in the marching band or anything? Once I, once I got the guitar, the, the saxophone. Oh, the saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Never came back out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just, it felt like the guitar felt alive to me, you know, and mm-hmm. obviously there's people who grab a saxophone and that instrument feels alive to them. Right. Um, but the guitar felt alive to me. It's like when I grabbed it and started playing, it just like passion came out, mm-hmm. like I'm passionate about it. I played saxophone because I had been, if that makes sense. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Um, yeah. You mentioned seeing somebody play guitar on stage and being like, Oh, I, I could do that. Like, do you remember what band you saw? Yeah, it was uh, a band called Against Me. Oh, um, I love that band too. Yeah. Um, they've made I, some changes. Yeah. I saw them at the Bowery Ballroom in New York City with the Blood Brothers. Wow. And and yeah, I was just I was just kind of blown away by um what I was hearing, obviously, the sound, the energy. You uh-huh. know, nothing sounded perfect because I knew I wasn't the best guitarist. I knew I liked singing, but I knew I wasn't very good. And I was like, man, these guys are just real and raw and nothing's perfect. Mm-hmm. And that that works for me because I'm not. So <laughs> sure. Yeah. Those early against me shows were so good. Like when they released like reinventing Axl Rose and those mm-hmm. when you'd see them, I'm sure, I don't know how big that venue is, but I remember seeing them in like these rooms that was like 150 people and just kids were going crazy. Yeah. And I hadn't really i didn't i didn't even i only knew a little bit of the blood brothers i just gotten into their record burn piano island burn uh-huh. and, and i was like this was like one of the wildest things i'd ever heard i'm like i gotta see this and then, <laughs> yeah. and then i found against me from that show because they were the headliner and oh, so okay i started listening to their music because that clicked with a lot of stuff i got into earlier you know it has like because i like the dropkick murphys growing up too mm-hmm. and it has kind of like that you know irish boston like right you know, yeah vibes sort yeah. of vibe to it uh-huh. um you know and so yeah it was just that was just kind of my experience is like you go to a show to see one band and then you find another or right. you're like you said the guitar case of your favorite guitar player you're like for me i loved thrice growing up they're like mm-hmm. they're probably my 
favorite band. Um, and they had hot water music stickers oh, yeah. on ours. I love- and I, so I found them and I'm like, I love this band. So right. yeah, the cool Dude, journey. So cool. Like talking to somebody that uh, same age bracket and like, <laughs> like uh, that was so me, you're just doing it on the East coast. <laughs> That's, right. That's so awesome. That kid I was telling you about that was like some early adopter to the internet. He's the one that introduced me to blood brothers too. He's like, you got to check out this band. And we went and saw him at some, uh, this place in San Diego called the Che cafe, which was like a little, uh, it was more of like a hipster place and they played there and it was, I'm like, this is crazy. Like that style of music I'd never heard before until, you know, some of those bands started to come around. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. That's awesome. Um, so you, did you start a band at this point? Like after you get the guitar and start playing a bit or did not, not till yeah. later? I tried. I'll, I'll okay. put it that. I tried really hard to start <laughs> a band. Um, yeah. It was either, either the songs I was writing weren't very good or I just couldn't find guys to play music with. And so like, I'd find, like a drummer and a bassist or I'd find a guitarist and a singer, but like mm-hmm. never a full band. And to them, it wasn't the, the passion wasn't there either. You know, like I just, wanted just to, like a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, Oh, this is cool. You know? And like, we would like jam, but they never wanted to play or so things never really surfaced. I just, but I kept writing, you know, cause I just, I loved music. Um, and so I just wrote and wrote until I was, probably my it was my junior junior year of college is when i started wolves at the gate oh that was, really okay yeah it was the, the first band i was in and started and still the only still playing wow my, okay my one and only you know <laughs> uh, yeah that's cool that's amazing i mean wow well i mean so did you go to college then for me like why what took you to ohio i mean were you going to for a specific reason to that school um, well, so at that point I had two passions, music and soccer. Um, and oh, okay. so, um, you know, I, I wanted to play soccer in college and had opportunities to, to play, you know, at a number of different places. Uh, but I just ended up choosing the school that the, the school that I went to, cause, uh, I loved the, the guys on the team. Um, mm-hmm. cause that's what I loved about this. You know, I, I love the sport, but I also I know how enjoyable it is when you're with guys that you like and how right. not fun it is when you're with people you don't like. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I just really connected with them and, you know, I had an opportunity, I had opportunities to play at good schools that were local, but I kind of wanted to get out a little bit and um, just kind of go somewhere. No, I didn't know anybody, no ties, kind of like a fresh start. Um mm-hmm. And so that's what led me out there. I didn't go to school for music. I actually, I taught high school history for one year before we got signed. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So that's why I got my degree in was, uh, yeah, secondary ed. Um, was a high school history teacher and coach soccer at the, at, uh, the school that I, uh, did my student teaching at. And, mm-hmm. uh, then we got, then we then got, got signed. Yeah. So <laughs> like, well, wow. I think I'm going to go do this. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just reading a little bit of, uh, about you guys. Um, and you said that you're talking about the new record and this quote that I saw. And you talked about tearing your ACL. And that yeah. was, was that in that same, like when you were going yeah. to college at playing soccer? Is that what kind of ended the soccer career for you, unfortunately? Yeah. So that, that happened the year after I graduated. Um, oh, so I was okay. still trying to 
I was still trying to play in what were called like professional development leagues. Okay. You know, you don't, you don't make any money, but there are opportunities to get seen and scouted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And I, you know, I was still working and, and playing and I, yeah, I tore my ACL and my meniscus. And I just remember <sighs> laying on the field, you know, going, okay, this is, this is something, you know, mm-hmm. and I knew it was going to be like, it was going to change things a lot. Um, you know, and so that was, it was pretty, I don't know. It's just probably the grace of God that I, I didn't just completely like lose my mind. But I just remember having right. a lot of, yeah, having a lot of peace during that time going, okay, this is what it is. I've been so fortunate to not get injured like my whole career, you know, playing for, mm-hmm. you know, 15 years at least. And so I was like, I guess this is it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But still, I mean, that's gotta be crushing. Obviously that's what you've been working yeah. at. And you were, you probably thought that's what you were going to do. Right. If yeah. the opportunity arose. Yeah. But, but what was interesting though, at the same time was, you know, I'd always loved music. It just, but it didn't ever seem like music would be a thing for me, you know, cause mm-hmm. it took so long to even like start my first band. Um, but at that point, I, my passion for music was growing because I finally had a band. We were writing songs like we were like touring, you know, kind of locally. And seeing- OK, so you guys were kind of going at this point already. Yeah. And you're still just so, doing soccer and teaching. Like, it was just all happening at was, once. Yes. Yeah, spinning a lot of plates. Wow. Uh, you know, <laughs> and that one fell. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was it was definitely a little crushing. And, you know, the reality is, too, is like you always take for granted the things that like you've not, you've never lost. Right. right. You know, I, I never, I never had any injury like that. And I'd never been so like needy and dependent either. You know, my dad flew out and he took care of me for a while. Cause I couldn't do anything. I couldn't drive, you know, yeah. so it's, a, and- it's a pretty hard recovery surgery wise, mm-hmm. you know, and without like, sounding weird but like my dad had to help me get to the bathroom and help me get in the shower you know well yeah like, i mean you have no if you moved there your family's all in jersey you have yeah. no support as far as that goes like what do you do you're stuck yeah and so it definitely just showed me like uh a different you know we, we all know that like life is frail and it can be taken at any moment or like your strength or anything anything could happen but the reality mm-hmm. of it really like set in for me there. And it was really humbling in a very good way. Cause mm-hmm. you know, when you're younger and strong, you think nothing can stop you. Um, and then you find right. out there's this little tendon in your leg <laughs> that could stop you pretty quickly. But it yeah, work, I could you know? take you out. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as indestructible as I thought I was. Which is right. So, it's so stupid, but like, those are the things that you don't ever think about when you're young and lacking mm-hmm. in wisdom, you know? Right. Right. I mean, why would you, right? You're just like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'll, if yeah. I fall and hurt myself, I'll, I'll get better. It's not a big it's deal. It's just other people that get hurt and injured. Right. Not me. That's <laughs> not me. Exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, tell me about starting the band. So the band was already going at this point when you hurt mm-hmm. yourself. Okay. So when's the, you said the band started your junior year of college? Yeah. Yeah. My junior year. Um, how did you meet the guys in the band and how did that form? Yeah. So our original drummer, he played, uh, he played on the soccer team with me. Uh, he was, oh. he, he was an incoming freshman who 
you know, the upper class and we always tried to take the the underclassmen under our wings and kind of like show them the ropes and found out he played the drums. And then I found out that he liked good music too. Um, Cause I, I would find musicians, but they would like, you know, like Dave Matthews band, not right. Listen. There's nothing that you would want to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I was just like, I was like, Hey, you want to come over and I could show you some songs I wrote. Would you want to write some drums to it? And he's like, yeah, of course. And I had no idea, but he was like a freak on the drums. He's so good. Um, oh, cool. And so things kind of like catapulted from there because I, I just kind of felt like, you know, he was way better. I felt he was way better at his instrument than, than I was at mine. And I was like, I need to get some guys and we need to like get this going. And so uh, Ben, who is our bassist, you know, he lived down the street from me. And I was just like, I, I literally like, told ryan said hey hold on i gotta go get a bass player and i just like ran down the street and told ben and i was like hey you want to join my band he's like you have a band i was like i I will (laughs) so it was just kind of a series of those events like guys i knew played instruments that i was like friends with Mm -hmm. and you know jeremy who you know they were just guys i went to college with and like i knew like similar bands and we honestly didn't know each other that well, but we knew each other well enough that I knew they liked the same kind of music. And that's just kind of how it started. And we just would play. I had a house in college that I lived at with a bunch of guys and we would have house shows um, that were just insane. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, just like packing out like a standard house with like a hundred people, you know, like wow. the, floor, the floors were like buckling and, it, it was it was insane and it was insanely loud i don't think anybody got anything out of like sonically out of the experience apart from just lots of symbols and right. you know and going crazy i'm sure <laughs> yeah and so that's what kind of like helped us get our feet wet and drummed up some excitement about the band because mm-hmm. where the school was it's a sleepy town it's a college town so it's like the town exists because there's a, a college you know right so from there you know, we made our way out to Dayton, started playing shows there and then made our way out to Cincinnati and Columbus. And it kind of just kept kind of growing from there, which was uh, a little surreal for me, to be honest. So, yeah. So you just kept it was at that point, though, it was just kind of a thing you guys were doing as you're obviously taking it seriously, but you had a job and you were coaching soccer and all this is happening at the same time that the band is going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so. Yeah, we we, uh, we kind of kept going and, we, you know, none of us had ever really, none of us had really been in a band before either, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't know, like, what you're supposed to do. None of us were actually from that area, so we didn't know, like, the local scene. So a lot of it was just, we just handed out CDs for free, like candy. Mm-hmm. We played anywhere that they would let, I mean, we played some of the weirdest places, you know, just like any band would tell you, you know. Right. You, back of tattoo parlors, you know, back of pizza shops, VFW halls, church auditoriums, you know, we were anywhere and everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we just gained some traction that way. And then we recorded an EP that we kind of thought would like be the end um, because we'd never recorded like an actual release. We just recorded like bunches of songs Mm -hmm. and we put that out. And this was like, in the LimeWire, you know, days. Oh, right. Okay. Downloading music that way, mm-hmm. on, you know, pirate sites. And, 
you know, we sold a ton online, which we couldn't believe. Like, we didn't, you know, you don't know how many people actually listen to you. Um, and they found it on LimeWire? Yeah, like oh. LimeWire. Well, we had tons of downloads on LimeWire. I remember seeing that going like, man, if even a fraction of these people bought the record, like we could actually <laughs> have some real money. <laughs> right. Um, but how are people finding it? Just off touring around Ohio? That and it's just that was just the, the age of like anything that got released got pirated and thrown into like LimeWire, uh, things like right. that. Got and that's okay. how you found that was a time where that's how you found bands. It was like a Napster, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um yeah, we self-released the record and from that we got um yeah, we got label interest from the EP that we thought would be the last thing we do, to be honest. Mm-hmm. We thought, let's just do this and then we can go on with our, you know. Our adult lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real real job life. And then yeah, yeah. We, we got wow. interest from labels. And that's yeah. when Solid State signed you? Yeah, yeah. They they were kind of like the last one to the the party with the, with the label talks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, yeah, just connected with the people there, probably the best. Um, cause uh, you know, that's something that's pretty important to me is I just want to feel, I want to like the people and feel like I could trust them. And that's how I felt about mm-hmm. the people there. So that's cool. Well, how, what year was it when you tore your ACL? Um, <laughs> was that record out yet? I'm just curious to kind of yeah. see how that, how that fell in line with touring well, and everything. Yeah. Well, what happened was I'm pretty sure I tore my ACL and it was a, we were doing we were having um, talks with the label at that point. Oh, I remember, you were? Okay. Yeah, because I remember they were like, well, you know, you guys need to find a booking agent. And I remember um, then they sent a couple booking contacts out to come watch us play. And I was in like a full leg cast. Um, oh, wow. Because that was the only way, like, we're like, we gotta, like, we gotta do this showcase for this <laughs> these booking agents. Yeah. And like, I probably shouldn't have done that, um, but I did. Um, and I remember my leg being in terrible pain afterwards because it's supposed to stay elevated. Cause this was like pretty fresh, maybe like three, four weeks. I just remember all the blood rushing to my leg. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. Oh man. And just playing and like, just kind of just trying to vibe off that, that pain, you know, pure <laughs> agony. <laughs> so it was like soon after that. Um, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you you got so you, then you signed with Solid State, and mm-hmm. you put what a couple, another EP out before you put out your record, the first record. They re-released the EP that we had self-released, um, which is called "We Are the Ones," and then the, then we did like soon after that we did a proper full length, um, which was oh. uh, the record. Okay, yeah, yeah, that one came out before Back to School. I'm conf- I was confusing yep. myself. Okay, yep. so and that record is awesome, right? It comes out and it's charting. Mm-hmm. Like on Billboard, like what was that like? Uh, weird. I, I honestly, I didn't know what a lot of that stuff meant. Like when I, <laughs> oh, you charted on the Billboard. I'm like, not the real one though, right? Like that's just what I assumed. But it yeah. was the real because the real one. It's like you know, you're thinking like, of like the Hot 100 chart I'm, or something. Well, I'm thinking like people like Slash are on the Billboard. You know? Oh, not, right. Not. <laughs> Wolves at the Gate from Cedarville, Ohio, you know. Uh, <laughs> you were, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that just, I think that's just like the, that's kind of the way that we operate is kind of like in expect nothing and then anything's exciting. But right. we were also kind of skeptical, like, do they, like, are they sure that we were on there? 
so yeah it was super cool um yeah you just in this day and age you don't really you have metrics and things but like you don't really know who's listening like who's like a real listener you know uh-huh a stream yeah somebody may have listened for three minutes and gone that was terrible you know um <laughs> So I don't think they'd stick around for three minutes. I mean, I do. do. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was really cool and it was exciting. Um, Honestly, our highest aspiration was to just record in a real studio. That was our highest aspiration was that and to tour the country. And Uh so, yeah, to get to do any of that stuff felt like mission was already accomplished. Um, So it was, it was, yeah, it was exciting for Mm -hmm. sure. We just didn't know what it meant, honestly. Right. Like yeah. once you sign this record deal and you put out the, an album with them, are they putting you on tour with some of the artists that they had on their roster or like, was the booking agent doing that actively for you? Like how yeah, do you so, get out of Ohio? Yeah. Well, and so that's what, once the record came out and, you know, we, we, we didn't have um, like a proper booking agent and once, but once the record came out, that's when, you know, we were actually able to have those, conversations with booking agents um it's like hey you know people will come if we if we play there because we're mm-hmm. our album selling so um that's what then got us on you know opening up for national tours and things like that so what was the first big tour you guys had a chance to do oh it was a wild one you know something something about our band is we sometimes find ourselves in the middle of genres you know um, a, a lot of tours we'd be on, we were like not nearly heavy enough. And then other okay. tours we'd be on, we would be like way like, too heavy, really heavy. And the first tour we did was with uh, Born of Osiris, Unearth, The Contortionist, and Obey the Brave. And wow, we were the, we were the only band that had singing, let alone you know <laughs> not, not being not being very heavy. And they were more like metal type right. bands, and so. It was definitely, it was hard. Um, the bands were really cool to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we learned a lot from hanging out with those guys. They were very welcoming, you know, but it was good because it just teaches you to like, all right, you have to win an audience. And sometimes the audience could care less about your music, you know, and your style. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was a, a really good experience. Definitely caused us to think about like, we really need to own what we're doing, even if people didn't show up to hear that, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. No, for, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and well, after that, you put out when you put out your next record, five verse, or five by five, um, mm-hmm. like you did that record. And then I, to jump ahead a second, you put out an EP of acoustic versions of some of those songs, right? From the first two records. Yeah. And then you've done that a couple times now, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like what, like, uh, what was the well tell me a little bit about five by five and like what would be a big milestone from that record before we jump ahead um i think so on that record was um i think one of the first times i felt like i there were certain songs i felt like i was really nailing what i'd set out to do creatively Mm -hmm. um like with there's a song called the bird and the snake on that record that is still like probably one of my favorite songs i've written um because I love the idea of a, of a song sonically and lyrically telling a story, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I felt like I, I like captured something I'd always wanted to create and always kind of felt like 
you know, not like you don't like the songs you made, but like you're like, okay, this is like really close to what I was trying to deliver, but I know it's not, it's not quite there yet. You know, being inspired by artists like, like Thrice, like I feel like, you know, Dustin is a really good um, lyricist. And mm-hmm. also the band is really good at like composing music that fo- like, it's almost like a soundtrack to the story, you know, it kind mm-hmm. of follows the movements of the story arc. And I just thought that was such a cool thing. And I felt like on that record, I was able to accomplish that more. So that was, I would say it was a, a creative sort of milestone. Awesome. For me. Yeah. yeah. And with that though, so you put that record out and then you decided to go, you guys decided to put out this EP of acoustic songs. What, what was the reasoning behind that? You just think it would be um, cool to do? Yeah. People had been asking us to do that, but also, you know, I, that's where a lot of the songs come from, you know, like our music's aggressive and, mm-hmm. you know, heavy guitars, but I, I did, I did want to strip back the layers and kind of like, yeah, help people see like the heart of the song that is there, um, you know, behind, you know, behind all of the, you know, loud, you know, guitars and aggressive drums and stuff like that. And so I always, I, I had very um, pivotal, like, yeah, there were songs from bands that they did acoustic that like completely changed my mind, even about the band, let alone mm-hmm. um, the song itself. And so I thought that was such a cool experience to be able to like enjoy a song twice, you know, for two like different reasons. And so, um, yeah, we just wanted to give that to our fans because I felt like I loved getting that experience and I wanted to give that experience. I love that. That's, I feel the exact same way. And it's cool that you said you write the songs on acoustic guitar. A lot of it starts that way because like, you know, if, if you can play a song on an acoustic guitar around a campfire and it's a great song, it's still, you know, that's kind of like, isn't, isn't that what they say? They kind of gauge it that way, where like, if you can take yeah. a heavy, crazy song and they break it down into an, an acoustic version, like it just, mm-hmm. it's just such a different feeling. And, and I love it when heavy bands do that, when they go, okay, well, we're going to put out an acoustic version of this song. Cause it's just like a yeah. totally different take on, on the original version. Yeah. And you know what? I, I learn a lot too when I have to dissect songs we've written. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause honestly, I realize like weak points, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I get why I did this portion of the song this way, but I think I might've done it just because I love the guitar part, but was it really serving the song? Cause mm-hmm. exactly what you said, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, that is what, what, that is what people, uh, that is what people connect with when they're listening right. to music is that that heart of that song and so if i can figure out how to do that but keep the same packaging that we love which is kind of making like rock aggressive music um that'd be super cool yeah and if they can go home and play it on their guitar and try to sing it to them yeah to themselves (laughs) in their bedroom or whatever it's just like even cooler right and then it's like and i can go home and i can play this or try to play this or (laughs) yeah instead of just listening instead of having to have uh five other people that are on the equal page as me to to do a version of it or whatever. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. What would you say like for types of shadows? Again, same question. What would you give uh, a milestone about that record? So for that record, I decided that I wanted the whole, the whole album to revolve around that idea of story. Um, So each, so each song is a different story. 
And the hope was that each song musically and lyrically kind of carried a story arc. Um, so some, it's kind of a concept throughout the whole record? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so um, the, and the idea of types and shadows is like all the songs are types and shadows of telling kind of the story of how, how I've come to understand what grace is. You know, mm-hmm. I was, I was brought up, I was brought up in a Christian home. Um, but to be honest, I don't think I understood grace as uh, working, <laughs> which is, which is, you know, kind of like uh, religious duties, you know, right. uh-huh. you can receive love and that's not what it is. Like, that's just a total redefinition of the term. And so I wanted all the songs to kind of revolve around this idea of what, uh, how I'd really come to understand what grace is, is that it's unmerited favor and kind of these beautiful pictures of, you know, the, the darkest, honestly, parts in my own life or in my own heart uh, and ways that I, I was shown grace despite those things and also um using examples of people we've met on tour you know in conversations and uh, also guys in the band the conversations we have in the van in between shows you know uh, you know we're we're having plenty of heart to hearts in the van you know I'm sure uh, with each other all the time right <laughs> yeah yeah so so yeah so that was that was like that was uh yeah i really enjoyed that process although it was probably one of the harder processes because at that, like while I was in the studio, so uh, yeah, Ben, our bassist was getting married. And I remember I had to just take a couple day break from being in the studio to go fly to his wedding. Cause I was a, a groomsman in his wedding, our bass mm-hmm. player, Ben. And when I drove home just to like, say hi to my wife and get ready to fly out, she told me that we're having twins and I was oh, like, wow. I was like, I was, like, there was a lot like, you know, I was still yeah. like studio brain going like, All right, <laughs> this wedding. I'm a groomsman. I got to make sure my, my suit fits. And then I got to get back and finish this record. And then she's like, yeah, we're going to have twins. And I'm like, two. Oh, good. <laughs> this is crazy. What luck. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's, my wife's a triplet. So it wasn't. Oh, okay. It wasn't as shocking, but I just wasn't ready for that news at sure. all. And she was like, she was kind of like trembling too. Cause it, I think it's, you know, it rattled her. Um, mm-hmm. Well, she said we're, ha- we're she's pregnant. I didn't know it was twins at that moment, but we w- went, we would go on to find out it was twins. Oh, okay. So you hadn't even known yeah. she was pregnant at this point. So you come home and she tells you, yeah. you're going to have, you're going to have a kid right yeah. before you're leaving and you've got the studio yeah. mind and everything else. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And I, okay. And I felt bad cause I was like, I'm leaving you. I'm like, hooray. <laughs> I got to get to the airport. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I couldn't okay. tell anybody. So I was like seeing like so many of my best friends and it was still early. So I couldn't say anything. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, you know, kind of like beaming on the inside and they're like, everyone's like, what's new? And I'm like, nothing much, you know, can't tell you yet, but I want to. Uh, yeah. So. I, I, I have two kids myself and I remember that like not you have to like wait i mean i understand why you wait but it's like yeah. it's so hard not to just tell everybody <laughs> I, know. I know oh man did do you feel like that any like you had to come back then and finish the record the mm-hmm. record you're working on did you feel mm-hmm. like any of that those emotions were able to spill out into the that album or were you pretty set on what that record had like the the path yeah. it was going anyway i think 
I think like the thing, honestly, the thing I thought about, cause I hadn't tracked vocals yet, but the thing that I did think about while I was tracking vocals for that record was like, I have, I'm going to have a kid who's going to like hear my voice on a record, you know, mm-hmm. like it just kind of blew my mind, you know, cause to me, like it's st- like every record we make, it's just so cool that we get to re- record music and, you know, like I built a home studio in here and I record, I've recorded our last two records here. You know, it's just oh, so that's awesome. Cool. It's so cool that that can be done. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, that I was just, I don't know. It just made me think like, I want to make sure whatever I'm creating, like I'm going to be proud, like I'm going to be proud to show my kids and that they understand, you know, the work that goes into it, but also like the passion and the meaning behind what we do you know, mm-hmm. that I wasn't just like trying to fulfill some like childhood dream, you know, like I, I really want to do something um, impactful for people. Um, and so, yeah, it definitely like made it just like a little weightier um, for me in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and it's cool because Wolves of the Gate is now called Daddy's Songs in my household. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's yeah. cool. That is cool. With that, though, I mean, that must have been harder to tour and and get yeah. keep the band going once now your your wife's pregnant and not only that you're yeah. gonna have twins and yeah now it's you know family stuff how did you adapt to that that life yeah i remember calling uh, i called our manager first and told him and i said i was like Corey, to be honest i don't know i don't know what this means um mm-hmm. i don't know if this means we'll never tour again i don't know if this means we'll never make another record i don't but i was like what i do know is I love music. I want to keep making it, but I need to be a good husband and dad. So um, just be patient with me while I figure out how to, how to do that. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, you know, I told the label the same thing and, you know, it was kind of weird because all this was happening. You know, my kids were, my kids were born when that album released. And so I couldn't really go out on tour. We had no oh, when you, when you released uh, the record, yeah because it looks like you put it out in november and your kids yep. were born at the, that and then yeah how do you support yeah. the album yeah they were born yeah, in october so oh, wow yeah you know i had the record comes out and i had one month old twins you know <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was like i can't go anywhere you know right and because my wife had twins and uh, it had to be a c-section mm-hmm. she was on you know she was on bed rest before you mm-hmm. know she was on like one month bed rest leading up to the delivery. And then like, like another two, three weeks or after even the fact, yeah. after that. So like yeah. I was, I was running the show, you know, mm-hmm. um, my wife was the same call, way. You want to call yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> I was making the meals. I was doing all that stuff and trying to put out yeah, a record. You, you, obviously you couldn't have been gone for a month. <laughs> no. And so we, we, you know, we're not, we, we weren't going to announce anything, you know, we weren't going to say hiatus because we just didn't know. We had no idea. And so I was like, let's just ride this out. And, you know, my wife, she's like, yeah, she's awesome. Really supportive, um, really strong. Also really like into what we're doing. Um, like she's, she's invested. She came out on cool. tour. Like when we first got married, she came out on tour and she oh, loved wow. it. Wow. And she, you know, she, she road dogged it, you know, we, there was, there was no, no pampering, you know, she, <laughs> she, she acted like she was part of the crew, which was cool. ama- amazing, you know, and she misses it, 
you know, which is, it's hard. Anytime you talk about touring, she's just like, oh, I miss, I miss going out <laughs> the road. And I'm like, yeah. it's, yeah, she's pretty special to, um, to enjoy it that way. So yeah, we eventually just kind of like navigated our way back to figuring out what's sustainable. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful for that because yeah, I, I honestly thought, yeah, maybe this is the last record we do. And I also wondered, would the label want to do more records with us too? Mm-hmm. So it did. Well, which- yeah, obviously it worked out, right? Yeah. Um, you put a record out again in, t- in 2019. And were you able to tour that album enough? I mean, where were you when the pandemic happened? Yeah, so we were able to do, we were able to do, I think, like three tours um, off that record. You know, the, cause so, yeah, 2019, it was 2020 when we were, when the lockdowns got instituted, right? In the States. Yeah. Yeah, it was like March. So, the, yeah. I mean, people were putting records out, but it's like how yeah. much of that was taken from you? I mean, as yeah. far as like the album cycle went. Yeah, so thankfully, like our record, our record was, it was out that summer. We mm-hmm. got to do some touring and we were slated to do a tour right around March and then the lockdowns happened. And so that got canceled. Um, yeah, and so it did definitely, it was a little bit of a bummer you know, situation, but thankfully I felt like we got enough in to, um, as much as we could in that time mm-hmm. period between the release and the lockdown. So, you know, there were other bands that had it way worse than us. So, so you were home and everything at this time when that all stopped. Yeah. It wasn't like you were trying to rush back from Europe or anything. No, like I know. And some of my friends were on the road and I was yeah. like, what a crazy thing to deal with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we had just, we'd finished out the, here um at a festival and uh in germany um at the end of december you know and i remember thinking like this you know this isn't good you know uh we might not be able to get back we got back which was good and yeah it was just a weird time and really weird Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you you put out another acoustic record over 2020 was that kind of because you had time on your hands was it like oh let's go back and do some of these songs acoustic again or was that already the plan anyway um you know that's it's always in the back of my mind um Mm -hmm. to to do to do that with any anything that we release but it had been it had been two records since we had done the last one you know two full lengths and so i was like you know hey we got the time (laughs) nobody's going anywhere right and you know we can diy you know, uh, a lot of the engineering side of things. So yeah, I, I recorded everything at my studio, except for the acoustic guitar, Joey, our other guitarist, who's super talented engineer himself. He recorded the acoustic at his house in San Diego. That's where he lives. Oh, that's uh, where I'm from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I probably right. told you that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so now I understand the Tim Lambesis connection. It's all yeah. coming together now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's how, so that's, that's cool that. so you so you he was recording at his house in san diego and sending it to you and you're are you still in ohio or are you in jersey jersey yeah okay wow yeah. okay and you were able to work remotely how was that uh yeah i mean easy yeah okay. i mean yeah joey joey's super easy to work with you know he and i we had just produced um we had just self-produced the clips you know um yeah in 2019 together so mm-hmm it was, this was a much easier task to undertake, you know, less songs, you know, less, 
you know, stuff involved, you know, a lot less editing involved and stuff like that. So, you know, it was just a matter of, you know, he tracked the acoustic and everything else I did was just on the electric and then uh, all like synths and stuff like that. So I built it all on the computer and then just tracked vocals right here. <laughs> so, wow. That's right. And what, and what about the new record eulogy? Is that from done in your house too? Or in your studio? Yeah. There? yeah so really? We, yeah. So we did drums in, uh, in Bethesda, Maryland with Taylor Larson at mixed wave studio. Um, I actually, we were the first band to record at, at his new studio that he built. Um, and, uh, I'd actually built a home studio for Taylor. Uh, it was like right before lockdown, he was just telling me cause he mixed the clips. Um, okay. and he was telling me, he's like, man, it'd be really awesome just to have like a place that I can mix at my house if I just want to get out of the studio. And so I, you know, I built a, a studio for him at his house and soon after the lockdown hit, and he was able to work because he wouldn't have been able to get into the studio because all the studios were closed. And mm -hmm. so he and I had been in touch, you know, and he was deciding to once the, you know, the, the lockdowns got lifted, he built this massive, awesome studio downtown Bethesda. And um, I kind of helped him with some of the, um, the work aspect because I do like uh, architectural design and stuff like that. Um, really? At home. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I told huh. him like, when you finish that studio, we're coming to track drums there. And cause he's just, he's, his drum engineering is insane. And so we tracked drums there with him and then we engineered the rest ourselves. Um, we've, you know, been buying gear for years, trying to find the right vocal mic for me, the right vocal mic for Nick, you know, dozens of guitar pickups we've been through different strings you know so it's sure. like we've been trying to slowly build up what is us what's our sound and mm -hmm. you know we're at the point that we felt like we could do this ourselves that's awesome and from what i was re like actually going back to the acl and i don't know i don't want to spend the whole interview talking about the fact that you hurt your leg <laughs> when you played soccer but I, like from the quote i did see of yours you talk about how that's kind of into this record right like you were yeah. robbed i saw and like all your stuff got jacked like yeah. that's a lot of big trauma i mean are you is that all coming out in this album kind of you know like when i when i sat down to write the record like every record I don't really have a theme in mind. Um, I, a lot of guys like think of a theme and then they start a record. That's just mm -hmm. not the way that I function. Um, okay. I just write songs and then, then zoom out afterward and then see, yeah, where, where's my headspace been mm -hmm. and being on lockdown and not interacting much with the guys in my band, people on tour. Those are the things that always inspired a lot of lyrical content for me were conversations, you know, um, you know, especially with, especially with people on tour, um, you know, cause that's why I see our listeners are and where they're struggling, where they're hurting. And I can identify with those things and go, yeah, I, I get that. And then I write a song about that. Um, but I didn't have that this time. And so it was, yeah, much more writing from an introspective way. And I was just, I realized after zooming out that, yeah, all the songs really had, talked about things that kind of had to die in me, you know, pride, um, being judgmental, um, you know, um, those are like the, the two things that stick out to me. Mm -hmm. And 
I know it's kind of awkward to talk about being judgmental because, you know, if you say that, if somebody says you're really judgmental, that we like take a serious offense to that. But the reality is, is we all are. To some Everybody's degree. judgmental, right? I mean, in some yeah. capacity. Um, yeah. I remember we took, when I would think it was in, I don't know, it was in high school at some point. We went to, now I can't remember the, the museum, Museum of Tolerance. Is that, I think it's called the Museum of Tolerance. Okay. It's in LA and it's like, you know, all this horrible things that have happened over the course of the years. And there's, there's two doors and it's like, have you ever, it's either, have you ever judged anyone or have you ever been biased of anyone? And then like, there's yes and no. And if you try to open up the no door, it's like lock, you can't get through it. So you have to go through the yes door you have. So, I mean, amazing. you say that, yeah, but it's it's true. There's nobody on this yeah. planet that can say that they haven't been judgmental of somebody before or yeah. Type before. yeah, you know, and and honestly, you know, being somebody who believes the things I believe about God and the gospel, it was mm -hmm. just so incongruent with the, the way that I would find my mind going at times or the things I'd be thinking. And it just like, I hate it, to be honest, you know, I, I, it frustrates me to no end. And so I just saw, I saw how a lot of those things came out in these songs because, you know, you know, also being a father, like, um, and a husband, you know, you realize pretty quickly that whatever you thought your tolerance of patience was, it's actually shorter than it was. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. Way shorter. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's like, you know, no, I, you know, nobody's perfect, but it, you know, sometimes I would think like, man, if somebody saw how I acted in that situation, like, yeah, they wouldn't think very highly of me. And those mm -hmm. were the, th those were the things that I had to look at in the mirror, you know, um, were those things. And, um, and unfortunately, like, you know, we all have a version of ourselves that we think is real, but then there's a the reality. Right. And that version of me had needed to die um, because that's not true, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and if I'm saying, if I'm saying I'm somebody who needs God's grace, um, I shouldn't be walking around as if I don't need it. You know, I shouldn't right. be acting or trying to put myself forward as if I don't. And I, I don't think that, I, I don't think a lot of people would say that about me, uh, but mm -hmm. I think I know I would say that about me because I know the things that go on in my head and my heart. And um, yeah, so it's really like this idea of an internal death, a, a death of belief, you know, or unbelief for that matter. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the songs kind of take that position. You know, like even the title track is about um, Jesus' Jesus's own disciples and how they had a completely, you know, people think that they're like these like pillars of the faith. But if you actually read, how they acted in the gospels, you see that they, um, they generally didn't get it. <laughs> right. They thought, they thought they understood, but what was revealed in them was that they were vying for position of power. They were telling Jesus to do things differently, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I, I identify with them. I can see myself doing those same sorts of things. And so um, even the way they responded to Jesus, Jesus's death, was they still didn't get it. And that's kind of who I was growing up. Mm -hmm. I'd heard about his death and what does that actually mean? I heard about his life and I didn't really get it. And really what my, the belief I was clinging to that had to, that had to die for me to truly understand who he was. And so that's kind of what's at like the center of the record and everything kind of wow. flows out. 
from there. That's a what a vulnerable place to write from. I mean, and you get it all out there and, and to speak of it like that. That's that's huge. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, everyone around him was like, he had to keep showing them like, yeah, okay, let me do, let me do one more thing to prove you that. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's what's so cool about that too is you know that's to me kind of at the beauty of of the grace that I talk about in our songs is that it is so it's it's this perfect grace. It's it's patience like i don't know you know mm -hmm. and so yeah it's so exciting for me to kind of paint those sorts of pictures um and also yeah it's exciting for me to be able to you know i didn't know there was these were these some of these things i needed to express you know for mm -hmm. myself and get out and almost go oh wow that's really helpful for me <laughs> right, like <laughs> a therapeutic state after that um yeah <laughs> You're yeah. Just like, ah, oh, okay. That's, that's out there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, this, this has been kind of a different experience for me and I'm really grateful for it. Amazing. Well, the songs I've heard off the record are awesome. And I just checked out the video that you guys put out um, as well, which is amazing. Oh, and cool. uh, yeah. Are you touring the record? Do you have any plan to, or is it like, okay, I got, I still got two kids. <laughs> like, you got to do the dad well, thing. Well, I have three kids, so we have a third oh, thing. Congratulations. Good, good old COVID baby. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, he's uh, he's a little over a year and a half now. Um, Congratulations. But, uh, yeah, I was glad I got to be in the hospital for his birth. Because they were saying you might not be able to be there. And I'm like, oh, oh that been brutal. Yeah, kind of need to oh. be there for this one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, we yeah, we do have plans. Uh, we do have plans for, for touring, but nothing that we can announce. Got it. At the moment. Awesome. That's exciting though. And I thank you so much, Steve, for hanging out with me. I really appreciate yeah. your time. Yeah, you too. I felt like I was just talking to me from across the country, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Same here. <laughs> but you've achieved way cooler things than I did. Um, uh, <laughs> be determined. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you, man. I have one more quick question. I want to know if yeah. you have any advice for aspiring artists. Uh, yeah, just create music you want to hear. You know, that's, that's, I think the only mantra I've had is create music that you, you want to hear, be inspired by your inspiration, but don't try to impress them. You know, mm -hmm. that was a, that was a mistake I made, um, you know, thinking, oh, I hope if these guys in this band hear it, that they'll like it. Just like, that's, that's just a recipe for disaster too, you know? Uh, yeah. And so just be honest, you know? that's the music I've connected with the most is people who are just being honest about where they're at and then also creatively honest. Um, good art comes from that. So please do that. Whoever's listening. Cause I would love some, some more great music to listen to. 